0: Julie Rada um, who I told my son is a very important actress um, just earned her master of fine arts in
1: theater performance
0: performance from Arizona State University and I met her when I went to her debriefing or um, presentation to the faculty and friends and family after a uh, a a project that we'll learn about here. Um, her thesis is titled Collective Crossroads, A New Work Devised at Iman State Prison. Um, as I told her when she came in uh, to the studio today, she is um, a charismatic theatrical type, and I appreciate her for that. Um, she wrote in her thesis, this is a section that I thought was of relevance, uh, in telling and summary, as a society, we divide and categorize human experience into simplified, constructed binaries, which are meant to believe, our, which we are meant to believe are natural and essential. Good people, bad people, wrong, right. These kinds of binaries reinforce hegemony and shape our understanding of justice. To willfully complicate binaries is to recognize uncertainty and complexity. In regard to retributive justice in the United States, I contend that recognizing and owning uncertainty is a political act. I use my relative privilege and artistic position to question and engage binaries in the Collective Crossroads project in progress at Iman State Prison. Influenced by Jacques Ranciere's dissensus, I reflect that in exploring binaries, I have been engaged in the making of political art, whether I set out to do so deliberately or not. My position in this project has allowed me to frustrate binaries. The condition of incarceration divides the men in the prison from the rest of society and coercively assigns their time and labor. I cannot shift the fact of their legal branding or structural incarcerations. Perhaps, however, I can complicate the web of differential distribution, to which Michael Foucault refers in Discipline and Punish through specifically and generally exploring how these men are categorized and perceived. Annotated. Motivated by my concerns about incarceration in the United States, I developed this project as an intervention on the boundary of social social justice and art. So, um, Julie, uh, please elaborate regarding why you're interested in this sort of uphill battle. Or is it an uphill battle?
1: Oh, it's definitely an uphill battle, Um, unfortunately. I think, to put it simply, I think mass incarceration in the United States is worst human rights crisis happening on our soil right now although arguably and not unrelated um, the issues with migration these days happening from Central America up through Mexico at our borders right now are also and of course how do we respond we incarcerate we're incarcerating even children in that situation children who are essentially refugees so um, it's not unrelated but that's also a major human rights crisis happening right now mm-hmm. um, I digress though um, I th- the um, system of mass incarceration is complex it's got um a variety of underpinnings um in the sort of social fabric of the contemporary united states and um so much of our paradigm is based around retribution and punishment that we have a hard time seeing beyond that and it happens to be a system that um disproportionately affects people of color um michelle alexander in her book um the new Jim Crow uh, there's a quote I'm paraphrasing but it she essentially says the war on drugs um is a war leveraged against or targeted uh, targeted against black and brown bodies and there are white people who are collateral and um so the system is what she convincingly um, argues in her book is a uh, essentially an evolution of um slavery and uh to me, I consider this anti-racist work, um, and uh, it's it's a conversation that's difficult for people to have. We, I think we live in a very um, injured society. A lot of people have been hurt, and um, we're not given a lot of paradigms for how to see how to set that right in any other way than punishment. Um, so as you quoted in my thesis... Um, it just seems like the smallest little inf- intervention I can make um, is better than nothing. If I had been a policymaker or a lawyer, I might be going about this differently, but I've studied theater for 25 years, so um, that's, those are the tools at my disposal. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and you're put upon, it can be said that we're all put upon to do what we can um, and many people don't realize that that's the only th- way that things can get done. And so it is a good thing that you feel put upon because you're very effective, in my opinion.
1: Well, thank you. I think Or
0: obs- in my observation,
1: human indifference is um, has. Uh, we, we live in a society that is uh, loath to be inconvenienced. And it's inconvenient to think about the people who are affected by our actions, the people who are affected by our policies, things like that, and especially when they're hidden from us. And prison and incarceration um, fundamentally hides the people who are affected by it away from us in small rural towns and quite literally behind walls. Um, And then even upon their release, um, we have set, um, enough policies in place to make people who have been incarcerated in general in most places, um, lack the political will and, um, the, the kinds of things they might do to participate in society, uh, basically they stay invisible, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, so they're, they're an oppressed class. People who have been incarcerated. And, um, last night I went to a performance actually called the agony and ecstasy of Steve Jobs. And it's about um, Apple's business practices, and and in general how our electronics are made, and the human lives that are affected by the um, the rampant, unregulated capitalism that drives the demand for products. Mm. And um, and the question that ca- came up in that piece was about human indifference too. I mean, at, as the writer Mike Daisy. Uh, says in the piece no one here thinks that being a worker in China is a day at the park Mm. Um, everybody knows that there are really unsafe um, dangerous uh, labor practices um, there in these these provinces in China that make a lot of our goods but truly we we don't we essentially don't care Mm. and if we stopped um, the demand for these kinds of things we wouldn 't d- somebody would have to change something about that, but um anyway. in
0: terms of natural rights right it is a numerous class the a, it is a large volume of the imprisoned and the formerly imprisoned yes and by natural rights yeah that uh, it's infra- it 's enfranchisable yeah so um, so they are also as an educational factor in there to inform. There's a power to be accessed where, I mean, and among demoralized people, that's how they're disenfranchised from the natural uh, ley lines of of their own rights and power therewith. Right. You mentioned um, um, our, this is a a sentence quote from your thesis. Sure. Our human rights are grounded in intrinsic and pre-legal rights to belonging and to place. Yeah. So that's common law. Yeah. That's natural common law. Yeah. And 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 it's important that people go in behind the walls yeah. and point that out, you know, and yeah. it can change your life. Yeah. Um, well,
1: and as I say, I mean, it's can a can change one's life. It's a it's a or sad a thing people. to say that um, when treating someone with respect, dignity, when recognizing someone's humanity is a radical act. Which I think that mm-hmm. I I was su- surprised and saddened to discover that just simply saying how are you or apologizing to someone when i messed up or something when i was inside um the folks there had not been treated with that level of regard except by other prisoners yeah. um that i mean just those basic things i mean one time i i felt like i had disregarded somebody in a conversation and the next time i saw him i said oh hey i'm sorry about that i think of i was being glib and i sh- you know and he said you're apologizing to me i said yeah, of course, I I owe you that. He said, uh, nobody has apologized to me in nine years. Yeah, you know.
0: What's well, a basic, fundamental, <laughs> fund, fundamental respect of yeah. another peer in the uh, intellectual ontology? Yeah, So we know a sentient individual or That's entity, right. That's and right. and few people even get that far. Yeah, and in behind the walls of a prison, it's the coin of the realm. Yeah. It's so valuable that no one said it to him. No one's paid him that in nine years. Yeah. So right. it, it shows, on one hand, the, the, the difference right. uh, uh, between the universes. Right. And well. two, the, and, and the general population at large of living beings yeah. out there, yeah. um, how few maybe really are, are mindful of that. I walk all over people verbally all the time. I mean, I right. sing tenor. I'm loud. I'm kind of hard of hearing. I'm opinionated. And all I'm trying to do is be, I'm like a barking dog. I don't mean anything, but that barking dog, it's shot. Right. Nah, I don't mean any offense, but people are in tra- trained in them. That's right. kind of uh, otherwise. And you mentioned d- the prison ontology or the ontology or ontological prisons in the philosophical world. Yeah. And you mentioned that you dreamed that you were in prison at one point in your oh. thesis. I when I was a child, I when I was in day school, I drew a picture of and I don't know why mm-hmm. I drew a picture of me behind bar in jail. Yeah. Yeah. And and my teachers thought that is the oddest thing. And I think that goes to show how how prevalent it is as an idea, yeah, that's right. as as part of the yeah. cogito yeah. and part of the historical precedent of humanity yeah, that prison is unavoidable. Right. Even to little children who've never even heard of it and don't although, know what it is.
1: Although I would I would argue that it's not to humanity. I think that it's it's specific to our culture and specific, um, particularly mm-hmm. since the 1970s. Um, when we started this sort of race to mass incarcerate. And And it's glamorized um, in the media. Oh, well, certainly. That maybe is another conversation. But um, uh, Alan Gomez, who's a professor I've worked with, he's in the School of Social Transformation at ASU. And he... um, One of his uh, sort of primary theses is how the prison, uh, the ideology of the prison affects our daily lives. It affects education, it affects our interpersonal relationships, it affects our uh, relationship to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, and um, as you say, I think children understand at a young age how to police one another and punish one another um, because that is what we, it's our paradigm, it's what we under its what we see, whereas there are other cultures and other systems that may have a way of setting things right or restoring mm. um, the balance I- in a way that doesn't necessarily um, cost people their humanity in the way that we're doing right now.
0: And it, people might say it generates bad karma, but what it really does is it becomes part of the Dhamma. You don't really want that to be part of the dominant, I think, in or uh, civilizations who have avoided it and are right. able to rehabilitate properly right. rather than do this, right. do themselves a favor and do their legacy a favor.
1: Well, of course, yeah.